0: Hello and welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word
1: from Pastor Scott Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Uh,
0: we want to welcome those that are watching us on podcast, vidcast. Give them a big hand clap right now. Come on, upcast, downcasts. All the different casts that are out there, don't forget about our daily Bible show that we have. It's the number one YouTube daily Bible study. Go to YouTube, type in daily Bible study. We come on up and we start your day off with a scripture and we give you some encouragement and we have a whole lot of fun. Anybody like Chuck Norris Fridays? Come on, somebody out there. Chuck Norris Fridays are a whole lot of fun, amen. So a uh, young college student is in a computer class and studying to be a computer major and Teachers comes on in with a, this big old massive computer rolled on a cart and he tells them all, he goes, all right, this is a supercomputer. You've never seen a computer like this before. All we have to do is put some of your basic information in it. You ask any question about your life and this computer can answer it. So it's any volunteers and a young man raises his hand and comes on up and uh, he said, all right, typed in his information and and he said, all right, ask a question. So the young man, knowing that his, you know, his father had passed away a few years earlier, said, you know, where is my father? And so the uh, computer spits out, and they open the little piece of paper and look at it, and says, your father is fishing in Minnesota. And the kid laughs. He goes, no, my dad's not fishing in Minnesota. My, my father passed away two years ago. And the professor said, well... Maybe be more specific with the question. Maybe change the question around a little bit. Maybe that messed up. And so the kid said, all right. uh, Where is my mother's husband? And the computer spits out the answer. They open it up and it says, your mother's husband passed away two years ago. Your father is still fishing in Minnesota. (laughs) Amen. Open up your Bibles to Philippians 2.5. (laughs) Amen. Amen. We're in the last week of just an incredible series about Jesus. Who Jesus was, who Jesus is. From Philippians, which has been our staple scripture in this series. Throw that up there for me. In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. We all have heard this. We know this. We want to do this. We want to be Christ-like. We, I haven't yet to find a Christian that doesn't desire to be Christ-like. And the problem isn't our desire for many Christians. The problem is, is they have a wrong perception or a wrong idea of who Jesus was or who Jesus is. So they think they're being Christ-like in all of the wrong ways. And so as soon as we get a right picture of who Jesus was and who Jesus is, then it allows us. To live a life of uh, uh, of being Christ-like, of living life at a higher level, of being a light in the midst of a dark, dark world. In this, we've learned a lot of different things. I encourage you, if you haven't heard it, to get on the podcast and listen to it. But I wanted to spend just a few moments on what I would say would be the most important characteristic. Of Jesus. Jesus' biggest characteristic, one of the things that if you did nothing else, if you did this right here, this would make a difference in your life. Jesus was love and acceptance. That's what Jesus was. He was love and acceptance. He didn't come to the world to put rules on the world. He didn't come to the, to, down here to earth, right, to tell people all the things they had to do with the things that they were doing wrong. But instead, Jesus came to this earth to love And accept people wherever they were at. And it was in this love and acceptance that brought a change. How many people know that the world doesn't need more rules? They don't need to hear from us of all the things they're doing wrong. What happens when you tell somebody not to do something as a grown adult? I just want to do it. And I'm a pretty good person. I'm not bad. Last night we're we're at the Outback and, you know, I've been on the keto. I lost 27 pounds and I'm doing great on it. Now I'm on, I told Holly, now I'm just maintaining now until after vacation. Just got my weight where I want it. I'll hit it up after vacation. And the waiter comes over and taking our order and said, oh, do you want to have bread? How many people know that Outback bread is the exact bread they serve in heaven? You know that. That's exact. How do you say the butter? How do you say no to what the angels have made for me? And before I had time to answer, Holly goes, no, we don't want any bread. And I went, well, yeah, we kind of, she goes, no, we're not having any bread. I'm a grown A man. I'm the head of my house. I run the show. So I did what any strong man would do. I said, no bread for us. And then later, I excused myself to the bathroom. I met up with the waiter, grabbed me a loaf of bread. And just like any man, I ate it in the stall of the bathroom. That's how men do it. Tell me I can't have bread. I'll have all the bread I want to have. We don't like it when people tell, right? So what makes us think that when we go out to the world that us telling them how to live and telling your coworkers is going to bring any change? When you put rules and you put shame and condemnation on people, you close the doors of opportunity to minister into their life. But as you watch Jesus, Jesus didn't put a rule on, he put love on. He didn't put a thing you can't do but he put acceptance on so he meets with the woman at the well who Jews aren't even supposed to talk to the Samaritan woman and she's living kind of a messed up life and what does Jesus do? He just loves and accepts her and because that love and acceptance gets a whole town saved. With Zacchaeus who was one of the big sinners of the day right? Jesus goes over and has dinner with him and all of the rule makers got very upset at this because why would he go eat with a sinner? But in that Zacchaeus changed Gave four times all the money back that he'd ever stolen. And you see that the change came not from a rule, but from love and acceptance. You can learn this when you're dealing with, right, maybe uh, an adult child. And you've been harping on the ways that they're living their life. It hadn't been working. But what if you just loved them and accepted them? Don't even talk about those things. Just talk about what's going on in their life. Keep it upbeat and keep it encouraging. And there's going to come a point in a time when a door of opportunity will swing open and now God has opened up an area that you can speak into their lives with love and acceptance. This is our goal, church, is to be people that go into the world with love and acceptance. I go to uh, Peyton's wrestling tournaments, right? And these can be, they can be bullies. They're, they can be 10, 12, I've even seen them 15-hour days, Friday, Saturday, you're there all day. So if it's on a Saturday, I always like to bring my study stuff for Sunday because you'll oftentimes you'll have like an hour and a half, two hours in between matches that I can study. And so I found a little corner in, a cafe, in the cafeteria there and, and I got my study stuff all out and I'm studying all of a sudden this big old boisterous father I, I see him there all the time at all the tournaments and all the matches and he comes up and he's like, what the F are you doing and I looked up and I'm like "Ah, oh, I'm kind of putting my teaching together tomorrow and everything he's like, you're effing working today he's like oh, you couldn't get me to effing work today <laughs> and I said yeah well you know it's got a big deal tomorrow he's like well all right I said why don't you sit down and uh, we'll talk a little bit. He's like, oh, no, I'll leave you there f alone." And I'm all, <laughs> I go, no, I see you all the time. We've never had a chance to talk at all. Just go kind of sit down, we'll talk a little bit. And he's like, all right, he sits down. For the next 15 minutes, I feel like I'm stuck in a Goodwill hunting movie, right? <laughs> the man, he is great with the F word. I'm not going to lie to you. Few in this world can use it as a noun, a pronoun, an adverb, an adjective. He can use it for good. He can use it for bad. It's a, and it's just flying all over the place. And we finish up and he's all, well, I'll just leave you F alone. And I'm, and I'm thinking, F yet. No, I didn't say so that. I didn't say that. I put that in there for you. And so... He got up and away he goes, and and he works out at the same gym that I that I go to, and I always saw him anyway. But now when I see him, he comes over and we talk and just a real quick, you know, it's like, hey, what's going on? Good weekend? Blah blah blah. And I would say it was about two weeks later, he comes up and you can tell he wasn't he wasn't doing well. Uh, I said, what's going on? He goes, oh, Pat, I, I he, he's like, you know, I got I got to go in for some tasks. He's like, and I'm. I'm not doing good. And I was just wondering if maybe you'll, maybe because, you know, you talk to the man upstairs a little bit, maybe you'll throw in a a word or something for me uh, to the man upstairs. And I said, yeah, of course I will. I said, and you know what, whatever's going on, whatever the doctor, I said, it's going to be healed. That's what's going to happen. He said, well, yeah, just, just do me, just say something to the man upstairs for me. I'm like, all right, I got it. I got it. And so off we went and I, it was like a Thursday. I see him again on Monday, and he comes up, and he is just happy as could be. He's just so. He's like, hey. I'm like, how'd it go?" He goes, "Oh, doctor, there was everything was fine. Everything was good. It's nothing." I said, "See, God healed you up." He goes, "Yeah, I guess he did." And then off he goes, and off I go. And my point is this: had I judged him when he first sat down, even though we we're sitting around kids, and he's throwing that F bomb around like this, candy, just thrown to the children. I would have closed down a door of opportunity that God had. Come on, somebody in this house. For me, he didn't get saved at that moment. Maybe he is saved. I don't know. But I know that it was a moment of opportunity that God had for me. And the same thing for you and I. That we are a church that loves and accepts people. You accept that coworker as, and no one else likes that coworker, but you're the one. You know, well, they got to change, and they're a little rude. No, you love and accept them right where they're at. Those of you going to school, well, that new kid's a little, right? And you go, no, because we are people who love and accept people right where they're at. And all that person probably needs is someone to be a friend to them. They're brand new. We're a church that looks to the hurting. We're looking to the people that are struggling in life, and we don't judge them, and we don't con- condemn them. But we love them and then we accept them because there's an eternity in there that's hanging in the balance. And that's what Jesus was about. Come on, church. And that's what we are about here at Living Word. I'm going to hit a couple words today um, that I think they have been misused within uh, Christianity. They've been religified. And the first one, imagine, you know, as we think about Jesus and all the decisions that Jesus made. I want to make decisions like Jesus made decisions. I want to make choices like Jesus made choices. And so, if I'm going to be Christ like, how did he make his choices and how did he make his decisions? The longer that you're a Christian, because if you're a baby Christian, you're like, oh, I don't know if I hear that that more. But the longer you are a Christian, the more you'll hear the word peace. Peace is a big word that, that Christians will begin to use, and a lot of times it has to do with decisions and choices and things that are in front of them. And you'll hear Christians go, "Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't take that. I, I just didn't have peace on it. Yeah, I was going to do that, but there just. Yeah, I just didn't have any peace. Hey, I decided to do this because I, I just felt, you know, peace on and." As I studied this out, and I don't want to undermine how important the peace of God is in our decision making, I want to show you that where you look for the peace is so important because if you look for it in the wrong place, what happens is is you'll end up getting duped and fooled by your emotions. Romans 8 talks about your flesh and your spirit. There's a battle that goes on. So oftentimes, Christians in the midst of a big decision will feel fear and anxiety and they'll say, oh, that's not peace. So the flesh was loud enough and came with an imitation and it gets many Christians not to step out into God's best in their life. When I studied Jesus, I, I, I've been for, for this series, I've been really going in through the Gospels and I can't find it. Maybe you can find one and let me know. I'm able to find a place where Jesus was going to make a decision and he was trying to find some peace. You don't find Jesus going, hey, disciples, I don't know if I have any peace with you getting up on that boat right now. I think there might be a storm coming or or I got a little bit of I don't have that. Hey, you know, before we go to that city, I don't know if I have any peace and go to that city, right? It was the city that they were going to try and throw them off of the cliff. Hey, before we go do that big meeting, you know, I don't have any peace. And that was the meeting where 5,000 people showed out without any food or anything out there. And you find that God, Jesus isn't looking for this peace before he steps out into anything in life. And if we're looking for that peace, Man, it's, you're not going to find it before you step out. Because if you think about it, the spies looking at Jericho had no peace about going into the promises that God had for them. So if it was about peace, how come they didn't have any? because they had fear and anxiety. Moses had no peace about going to to get the Israelites out of Egypt. Had no peace. He's like arguing with God about that. Gideon had no peace whatsoever. You go through story after story of, of people that had, Paul had no peace going to Rome. He's like, man, I don't know if I feel good about this, but this is what God told me to do so that I'm going to do it. And you find out that peace doesn't come before. That's not where we look at it because if you're always looking for it before, then you'll never step out into something bigger in your life, you'll never conquer any giants. You'll never go into the land that God has for you. Peace doesn't come before. Peace comes after you begin to step. And at this point, when I begin to step out, now I can either feel God's peace or I can feel like, oh, something's wrong with this. See, because God, he directs your steps and now you're sitting. Many Christians are just sitting, waiting for peace, and God's like, I can't direct you. But even if I step in the wrong direction, right, I can begin to, God can move me right into the right place in my life. You cannot, as my dad always says, you can't steer a bicycle that's not moving. So as long as you're not moving and say, well, pastor, you know, they offer me management job, but I just didn't feel any peace on that. That's because that stretch is making anxiety in your life. And because it makes you anxious, well, you know what, I I was going to go back to college, go back to Bible school, but I just don't know if I feel peace right now. Because it's a stretch for you right now. It's going to take you to another level. And so the flesh is keeping you from doors of opportunity that God has for you. Step out, go on down, fill out some applications, find out what's about. And as you begin to step out, oh, okay, yeah, I do feel good about that. Or maybe you step out and you're like, no, you know, there's going to be another time for this, but right now is not the time. And all of a sudden I begin to make some good steps and some good decisions. If I made my decisions based on peace all the time, in the beginning, I don't think that I would make great decisions, right? When I was going to 20, it would be 28 years ago when I... Asked Holly out on Easter 1991. How many people know I didn't have a whole lot of peace? I was stressed out. I didn't sleep the night before. I'd gone to the bathroom 27 times already. I was like, I, like I just, I, my whole body just sweated in places where it shouldn't be. I was just sweating all over. And I'd been trying to ask her out the two weeks before, right? But every time something went wrong, and I'm like, well, must not have been God. You know, that's how we do that. It must not, right? And so I missed out. And so I'm sitting outside, and and it's Easter Sunday, and and Jason and and Kelly, who's his wife now, are are there. We're talking. I had a bunch of friends around me. And everybody know, today was the day. I've been stalking this woman long enough. (laughs) We're like right on the border of getting a restraining order at this point. So I either got to ask her out. Or get out the bushes. There was the choices I had to make. <laughs> and so I'm out there. I'm pumping myself up. I'm getting, but I, I'm telling you, I ain't got. Like I, I'm just, it's full of anxiety. And all of a sudden, I looked over in the parking lot and I saw her, her car leaving the parking lot. Cause I knew everything about her, social security number. I knew, her, I knew her car. <laughs> I knew it all. I was leaving the parking lot. And all of a sudden, I felt peace. I went, ah. Oh, I go. Yeah, I guess it wasn't God for me to ask her out today. It felt so good even to say that. And Kelly goes, heck no. And Easter dress and high heels, she ran across the parking lot. (laughs) Ran into the street, stopped the car, They don't know her. They never met her before. Went around to Hollyside. They rolled down the back window, right? And they're talking. And at that point, my heart, I'm like, I'm just going to run, Jason. I don't know. I said, you need to get your woman under control. I don't know what we're doing here. But you're not running stuff the way you need to be running this thing. And here they come up the, up the, up. And my heart is just, I have no peace at this moment. I'm so, and so Kelly comes up and she goes, and she was almost just annoyed at how long it was taking me. To, she goes, Holly, this is Scott. Scott, this is Holly. Let's go, everyone. And everyone just left. <laughs> like the parking lot was just bare. It was just the two of us. And I was, I couldn't get saliva. <laughs> Had no saliva. And then the simple English language escaped me at this moment. I, I. Uh, I couldn't, like, form, I could do vowels, but I I had no consonants. And she goes, hello. And I went, hello. And she smiled, just a big smile, just melted my heart. And I went, do you eat? She goes, yeah, I I eat. Me too. She's like, did you want to go out? See, I go, I do. Yes, I'd like to go out. Would you go out and uh, eat with me, date with me? Would you go out? And she smiles. She goes, I'd love to. And then we just stared at each other for a while. I went, good. (laughs) And then she goes, do you want my phone number? I do. (laughs) She goes, do you have something to write down with? I go, I don't. (laughs) So she handed me a pen, and I... I went, had no paper. All I had was my Bible in my hand. So I just opened up my Bible. And I said, I'm going to write it in my Bible. And so I wrote down. And she still thinks this is funny today. I was so nervous. I wrote down Holly. But I spelled it H-O-L-Y. Holy. That's so funny. And away it goes. 20 eight amazing years together after that. See. Now, I want to show you here in um, Mark 1, 9, 11, when peace comes. This is important because Christians' peace of God is very important in your decision-making. I believe it. But if you're looking at it before... Right? If you're trying to get it before you do anything, then you're going to not do the things that God wants you to do. Peace always comes in the middle. As I begin to step out, all of a sudden peace either comes or I lack peace. If I try to get it in the beginning, oftentimes when peace does come, I hold on to the thoughts of the peace in the beginning, which when the peace leaves, I keep trying to anchor myself to the peace that I used to feel. And now I find myself in a bad decision that's not being able. Able to be directed by God. Peace comes in the middle of your circumstance. It comes after you step out, after you. So you see here in Mark, throw that up there for me, Miss Betts. Verse 9-11, we know this is Jesus was getting baptized by John. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. The Holy Spirit, which is peace, came not before he got baptized, but it came as he was getting baptized. This is when the peace of God begins to be revealed in our lives, when we step out. If you try to get it before, your emotions get all mad. Some of my worst mistakes that I've made in my life were pre-peace. Pee-Pee will call it. Come on, somebody. Pee-Pee. You always remember Pee-Pee. Pre-peace. Pre-peace has made some really bad decisions in my life. I, you know, when I bought and sold cars to, to, to make ends meet, um, you know, I would get a list of cars and I, the cars that looked good and everything. And then when I went out and looked at them, man, if I felt peace on it, I would get it. And if I didn't, I wouldn't. And it made me very good money. I would make great. I had God bless me with incredible deals. But on this particular truck, I've been wanting a a Titan so bad. And I found this Titan. It was, it valued at $15,000. And the guy was asking $7,500, which we all go, well, that's too good to be true. I know, but I found deals, maybe not this good, but I found deals similar. God brought me epic deals like this. And so. I can tell you, I had so much peace. I was so excited. I was so fired up. I wanted this. It had low miles, like forty thousand miles. Oh my gosh! This was this was my dream truck. Thank you God so much. And I drove over to take a peek at the truck, and the truck did not run very well. It, it's, any car I've ever been in, it ran like the worst car. It sputtered and. Sp- bit up. It was only like a year and a half old and it just barely go down the road. And the guy said, well, it needs a little computer chip in it. And um, that computer chip costs about $1,500. That's why it's so cheap. And so with the computer chip, well, you know, I wasn't born yesterday, so I'm still smart and I have some common sense. So I said to him, well, I'm going to take it down to the Nissan dealership and have them look at it and tell me what's wrong with it. And he said, yeah, go ahead. So I took it down to the Nissan dealership and they went through it, took it for a whole day. And the guy came back and said, yeah, it just needs a little computer chip in it. It's that it needs now as I was driving it back to the guy to make the offer I can honestly tell when I look back now I had no peace I really did I I had a trouble in my spirit but I kept reminding myself about the peace that well you know I had the no stop when I saw it I felt good I felt like I felt the anointing when I found I felt so good I felt so much peace on that right but it was really the flesh that just wanted to tighten so I bought the car right and uh, I bought the vehicle for 7500 took it to my mechanic, because he said he could he could do it for $1,300. He he's going to save me a couple hundred dollars for put the little thing in, dropped it off. They had it all day. And the next morning at 7.03 a.m., I know that I looked right at the clock when I called. The mechanic called me, and he said, Scott, um... Yeah, it's not the computer. I mean, the computer chip was bad. He said, but this engine had blown and people drove it a while without any water in it. The, everything everything is all warped and everything. This engine, I'm like, well, can you rebuild it? He goes, no, you can't rebuild it. This thing is garbage. We have to put a brand new engine in it. Well, how much is a brand new engine? $7,500. <laughs> all Mmm. All right. So we put a new engine in it. Now, you know, I got a $15,000 vehicle with $15,000 in it. And what's awesome about it is then the transmission went, which oftentimes I say once the, the, the engine goes, the transmission goes too. Thank you so much. And so the transmission is another $2,500 in this vehicle. When God, whose fault, whose fault was it? It wasn't God's fault. God was trying to warn me all along. I got some pre-peace that got me excited, that helped me through God's check in my spirit that said, this is all wrong. Now, praise the Lord, I got a very unexpected, and you're like, does this happen all the time? No, this is like the only time it's ever happened in my life. I got a $10,000 unexpected check the next day in the mail as if God was like, hey, I'm watching out for you, brother. Right? Here you go, God. This is what God does. God covers for my, <laughs> my mistakes, but what would have been better. I told God later, I said, had been better if I'd have listened to you and I had an extra 10 grand. That would have been better. You see, pre-peace, I wonder how many uh, of us, we, we got to Dating relationships with people that we had that pre-peace. Every bad relationship I've ever had, I can go back to that pre-peace, right? That pre-peace. And that pre-peace that seemed I hold on to even when I should have no peace at all. So the last relationship before Holly, which was, I'm going to use the word hell here, just just so you can (laughs) probably get a description of what it was, Uh, right? Our first date... We go to the movie, we come out. My vehicle had been stolen out of the parking lot of the movie theater. While the police were coming, she said, well, hey, I left my purse in, in the car. I said, well, the insurance will cover it. She said, all right. She goes, well, um, it had a bunch of drugs in it. And so this is the girl I want to spend the next 18 months of my life with. That means it makes sense. Right, where there should be no peace, I'm holding on to beginning peace. When I should be discerning in the middle of stepping out, when you step out, now you're able. When I wasn't held to that beginning peace, now when I step out, I can allow the spirit, that peace to say yes, or the peace to go no. Hey, there's some warning signs in life. But you can't let life hold you back and not ever step out in things because you're held to this, This well, I had the peace. I, I felt so good about this. You know, when, I, when he asked and he just, oh my God. He, he has everything I'm looking for in a man. He's got a heartbeat. He's got right. He's just everything I'm looking for. And then the warning signs begin to come, but you're still held to a religified word, which is the peace. You know, when I was going to get in the pool yesterday, and I stepped to the edge and I'm going to jump in. How many people you know? You know this. When you're going to jump in a pool, you have no peace. There's no peace at all. Like I, I know I want to get in there, but it, it's 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 no right. And you just stand there and you stand there with no peace. It's when you jump in and the refreshing hits you, you're like ah. I felt good. See, the peace comes after the refreshment, after you jump on in. And some of you out there have been holding back with a religified word and you haven't taken that promotion. You haven't stepped out. You haven't done some of the things, the doors of opportunity that God has. You're like the Israelites who won't go into the promised land because you're holding on to what you think is no peace when it really is just stress and anxiety of taking life to the next level. You gotta ask her out. You gotta, right, take that next level. Go back to school. Start a book. Start a business, right? Start a business can be a scary thing, but you're like, all right, God, I'm going to step out. And as I begin to step out, God begins to direct me in all the different areas of my businesses. You know, when a great example of how my dad followed God's peace was, you know, they're in Wisconsin and they felt like they should move to Arizona. But my dad is not a pre-peace guy. He's like, Hey, I, it sounds good. So he didn't quit his job. He just took a vacation from his job. He loaded us all up in a 72 Buick, had a trailer behind it, and he said, we're going on vacation for a week. And we went on vacation as we drove to Arizona. And as they, you know, as funny as they felt like uh, they were supposed to live in Globe. Praise the Lord, we did not, right? Well, who doesn't want to live in Globe anyway, you know? I don't know what pamphlets they got about Globe. So anyway... They felt like they were going to move to Globe, but as they were driving through Mesa, Arizona, they felt a peace that hit them. And of course, when they got to Globe, there was no peace in Globe. And so my dad looked for a job, and that very day he found a job. So he got a plane ticket, flew back to Wisconsin, packed all our stuff up, and quit his job and moved everything from Wisconsin to Arizona. And that's a great example of how to really use God's peace in the right way. I know that some people have just picked up because they felt like, hey, I want to move here. And they moved here and they'll tell you today, man, that was, God was not in that. That's because you had pre-peace. You didn't use maybe in a, in a way some of the things that my dad used to make sure to get in there and still be stepping out and see if really where God wants us to be. Not held so tight that we're going to live in globe, but be open to God directing you that when I take a step, Man, I'm stepping so that God can guide the steps in my life. God's got plans, He's got things, but how many people know that what God has for you is not here, it's always up here. And every door of opportunity is a big jump, it's a big leap, it's something that's going to be impossible, something that you can't do, something you're going to feel so uncomfortable stepping out into. But when you jump into that pool that God has for you, the refreshness that happens when your life went to the next level, when you took that Jericho of your life, when the giant's head is down, when the problems have been overcome, when you begin to walk on on the waters. when you begin to do the impossible, that's when the peace begins to flow. The second word, give me just a few moments on this one right here. I'm going to close up with number two. We're going to find this in Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek. Somebody say meek. For they will inherit the earth. This scripture has plagued me since the time I was a child in Sunday school. And our Sunday school taught it in a way that it meant to be a pushover, to be a doormat, to be someone who the world can abuse and you just take it over and over again. But it always troubled me because that was not who Jesus was. How many people know that Jesus was not a doormat? Jesus did not allow people just to walk over him. Nobody takes Jesus' life. He says, I'll give it, but you ain't gonna take my life. That's a, come on, that's a Clint Eastwood Jesus is what that is. That's a different Jesus. But religified gets in there, and it's got Christians all acting all right, weak and powerless. And Leon Fontaine brought great light to this at the men's conference, and I wanted to share it with all of you that happened not to be there. You know that words change over time. In our own lives, some of you that are from Gen X know that things that our parents' words didn't mean the same as our words. Like when I used to say to my dad, oh, that car is bad. He's like, what's wrong with it? No, no, dad, it's bad. I know, what's wrong with it? No, no, dad, it's bad, right? Bad was good. He's like, bad is good? How's bad? Good, good is good. Bad is bad. No, bad is good. Good is bad, right? And you use words. Now I hear my kids talk. I'm like, no, the, what, I don't even know what that word means. And they, they've they changed the words and the meanings. Here's some words that changed Big time over the last uh, century, awful. Awful was originally a word that meant full of awe, like amazing. You're like, oh, that's awful, right? It's kind of like that bad. So it was designed to be awe. How many people know that it's changed a whole lot? It went from something cool to something really, really not so cool in life. Uh, another word was fizzle. Fizzle was a word that they used to use for silent but deadly, Funny, I didn't know that. And I, I'm not going to tell you what it's silent. If you don't know what silent but deadly is, you haven't been over at the Anderson home, amen? Used to be called a fizzle. Who fizzled in this house? Naughty has changed a whole lot. Naughty mean, meant to be not or not to have. So if you were poor, you were naughty. If you didn't have, you were naughty. How many people know that naughty has changed? Naughty now is bad. And if you're married, naughty can be good. I don't know. It's so naughty can be... I didn't plan on putting that in there. So words can change. So the word meek has changed dramatically since the time that they put it in and they translated the Bible. Watch this, this is what the word meek comes from the word praos. And uh, the word progress is, it actually says, it's kind of hard to translate, but biblical meekness is not weakness, but rather refers to exercising God's strength under his control, control or demonstrating power without undue harshness. So blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth, means for you and me that we are not weak, but we are confident, we are bold, Right? They used to use that word when they, they, they would train war horses. And so they would take a war horse to make it prowess is what they would do. To make it meek meant it had great power but it was in control. You know, a wild stallion's all over the place, right? as here and there, and they would take that wild stallion, take the rebellion out, get the junk out of it, and all of a sudden that wild stallion, who had amazing control or power, would be able to control itself. In the midst of a battle, it would not flinch. You could have something, boom, over here, and boom, over here, and all around it, and that horse would just stay. That that horse had one owner. It had one master in its life. It was loyal. It was dedicated. It was powerful, and it had no fear. It operated in the midst of turmoil and junk and it just stood until it said it's time to go. And come on, church, that's what we are. We are power under control. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you. My emotions do not rule my day. My emotions don't rule my life. I have power. In control. That means just that. That I take a stand when I have to, but there's times I don't have to take a stand because I'm in control. I have the power of knowing. When you're talking to somebody and you know you're right, and they know they're right, right? Come on. Somebody who is meek, if it don't matter, is like, you're right. Come on, some of you spouses out there, you are so right. Come on. I'm under control of my emotions. I don't have to be right all the time. When I'm in the midst of a bunch of people and everybody's trying to talk, power under control says, I know I'm important. I know I'm valuable. I don't have to be the center of the stage and the attention. And I can let you people feel like you are and everybody else is. And that's what meekness is in this lifetime. That God has put a great power in each and every one of us. We have the power to heal the sick, to raise the dead, the power for miracles in our life. Why? On water, do the limitless things in our life. I have that power that is inside of me. That is my meekness that I have, and I am in control. I am full of God's joy, His love, His peace. I'm able to go forth in my day with a meekness inside of me. Come on, church. Are you a meek church? Are you a church that's got power? You got that power. But I'm in control. I can submit to authority when I need to submit to authority. I can submit in love. I know when to open a door, of opportunity and go through it. And I know when God says, now is the time to be quiet, that I can operate as a war horse. When my master says go, that I begin to go. And as I step, I'm led through the peace of God. It's not a, just sitting here. I got to be stepping into wherever's going on. And when things fall apart around me, it does not matter what's happening here or there or behind me. I do not flinch because I know that my master, my God is on me and I've got all the power that I need to overcome any problem. We are an unflinching church. Come on, church. We don't flinch at doctor reports. We don't flinch at bank statements. We don't flinch at the things of life because I know I got all the power that I need to overcome
1: any obstacle that comes my way. Well, hey, thanks for watching. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've been away from the Lord for a little while, and today you're turning your heart back to the Lord, I just want you to say this prayer with me. Just repeat after me. Dear Father God, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. In Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God who died for my sins, who rose from the dead. Be my Lord and Savior, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you said that prayer, your eternity just changed. Find a great church, get around the right people, get around the right message. It's gonna make a difference in your life, amen? Don't forget about our Wake Up Daily Bible Show, number one uh, YouTube show, as far as Bible study goes, in the world. You can just go to YouTube, type in Daily Bible Study, we'll come right up, subscribe to it, and watch it every single... We pray over your day. That's right.
0: Scripture over your day, and it's a great way to get encouraged and blessed for your day.
1: And you can go to Amazon and check this out if you want a little more material. This is called, Why Jesus Wants You to Have the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of misunderstanding and confusion about what it is to pray in the Spirit and what God has for you. There is a power that might be missing in your Christianity that God wants you to harness. Check this book out. It's going to change your life. And
0: if you'd like to partner with us, allow us to take this Gospel, this Word, this life-giving message all over the world. In order to do that, we need partners and people that get behind it. And so whatever support that God puts on your heart to do, we encourage you to do that and allow us, because you know what, the more resources we have, the more that we can push the gospel to all the corners of the earth.
1: You can donate at wakeuptv.tv. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.